Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 292, and we're talking about essential travel items. That's right, we're going to be looking at some items that's imperative to take with you as you travel around the world, or not take with you if you can travel lighter without them. That's right, we're actually revisiting an article and podcast that we published way back in May 2009. So in this article and in the podcast, we talked about 15 items that we thought were essential that you had to have. And, uh, well, as time's, time's gone on, we've changed our minds. And we're quite happy to admit that. You know, I don't think it's a, a defect to be able to change your opinion. And so we'll be talking about what things we still think are essential and which things are not as essential as we thought. Well, we're coming to you this week from Canterbury in the South Island of New Zealand. And uh, before we get into what we've been up to this week, here's a clip from the airport in Kuala Lumpur, which we were just thinking about the other day. So that was the sound of announcements in the airport at Kuala Lumpur in the the low-cost carrier terminal. Yeah, we were there, must have been about a week and a half, two weeks ago. But now we're in Kayapoi, where we're staying with Craig's dad and stepmom. And we've had a really nice, relaxing week. Uh, On Monday, we we basically just worked, didn't we? Monday's always a, a busy day for us. We recorded the podcast and published it. Actually, today is only Friday, and we're recording this early because... Tomorrow we're heading down to Wanaka with uh, Craig's dad. Craig's stepmom and will be joining us a bit later on. And uh, we have no idea what the internet situation is like there. Internet in New Zealand is spectacular. I think I talked about that last week. It's spectacularly bad. And, uh, yeah, many holiday homes don't have it at all. So, yeah, we're we're not counting on that. So we thought we'd get this up and and scheduled (laughs) a bit ahead of time. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens over the next week in Wanaka, which is a beautiful place, but uh, yeah, not too sure about where we're staying and whether we'll be able to speak with you guys then. This week's been all about basically work, shopping, and catching up with people, hasn't it? There's been lots of barbecues and, uh, and cooking and things like that, and yeah. lots of time just buying little bits and pieces and all that kind of stuff. Very domestic. It's, it's hilarious. Anne really wanted to buy me a present. She, she said, oh, I must owe you lots of presents. I don't think so. But she was quite adamant about buying me some clothes. Now, she had never been clothes shopping with me, so she didn't know quite how picky I was until I think it was Sunday afternoon after we, um, we went for a walk around Christchurch. And I tried on lots of things and nothing was suitable. So anyway, she <clears throat> was brave again and took me out on Tuesday <laughs> And we actually managed to find some things. I found some grey trousers, which were almost exactly what I was looking for. Oh, it was awesome. And a, a bra and a black top. So I've bought three things. Well, Anne's bought me three things. A whole new outfit. Very exciting. You might remember about three weeks ago when we were in Rome and we went up to Tuscany with Walks of Italy to do a cooking course, like Tuscan pasta and ragu and tiramisu and look around the vineyard and the olive groves and everything like that. 
Well, last night uh, we had a go at recreating some of that meal, and somehow that information stuck. So that's a <laughs> somehow, great. And we had the recipe. That's a great cooking course if you can go and make something delicious in a highly supervised environment, <laughs> and then go away and recreate it at home. Yeah, what happened was we were on a, the Friday after we arrived. Maybe it was a Saturday. Anna and Nori had a wee party for us, and. Uh, their neighbor came over and brought his son, who had just returned from 17 years in the U.S. And when we told him that we'd learned how to make pasta and that we were going to be doing it, this Anna Nori, uh, he said, oh, I'll come, I'll come, I'll make the meat sauce and you make the pasta. So that's exactly what we did. He came over and made a delicious meat sauce. In the meantime, Craig worked on the pasta and uh, Craig and I both did the tiramisu and they all came out spectacularly well. Really, really good effort. So uh, we've just eaten lunch, and that was a leftover leftover pasta, leftover tiramisu. I'm surprised that there was leftover tiramisu, actually. But I think we just ate so much pasta that, you know, we couldn't fit any more in. Mm, it was definitely a lot of food, and it was really tasty. So, yeah, go see that Walks of Italy review mm. um, at reviews.indytravelpodcast.com if you're heading to uh, anywhere around Italy. The other thing we did this week was on Wednesday we went over, well, rather under, through the tunnel, under the Port Hills to Littleton to visit a friend of mine, uh, Oscar, and he's staying in a really nice little house with views overlooking Littleton Harbour, and we had a barbecue, and it was just magic. It was so nice. Excellent. Well, a lot of what we've been hearing this week has been the sound of traffic on the road and the wind in the trees, so we'll leave you with that uh, as we close out and before we go to the feature talking about things to take traveling with you around the world so about four and a half years ago was it really four and a half years ago that's impressive we've been doing this for so long <laughs> we recorded a podcast called 15 essential travel items or 15 what was it called oh. 15 essential items for a trip around the world that's what it was called and uh, of those 15 items, some of those we don't agree with anymore. We don't agree with ourselves. We don't agree with our past selves. Mm. You can just imagine getting into a, a little fist fight <laughs> with your previous self going, no, that's not right. It's quite funny. You don't agree with taking yourself with you? <laughs> what it sounded like for half a second there. Well, let's talk about some of the things that we thought were important then and uh, what we'd replace them with now, if anything. Yeah, and... Uh, if you agree or disagree, please leave us a message on the site or send us an email because we're really interested to hear what you have to think. So number one was a good backpack. I certainly still agree with that. And I think a good backpack or suitcase or wheelie bag or whatever you need to have to take your luggage in is really important. Personally, we think that backpack is the best idea because it's easier to carry. And we've spent too much time going up and down bridges in Venice and climbing Italian hills and other places and uh, getting our stuff downstairs when hotel lifts weren't in order to want to have a wheelie bag. But uh, a lot of people swear by the hybrids, which are wheelie bag and backpack, and I, I think that's a good option too. just depends on your travel style. Of course, and your back. I think <laughs> in another five years, if we redo this when we're in our mid-30s, we'll be going, eh, no, wheelie bag's really good. <laughs> as yeah. long as your bag will take it, go with the backpack. Now, we Mine. go with a carry-on size bag. 
So uh, that's about 30 to 40 litres. Um, I think your bag is 35 according to the specs, and mine's 40 according to the specs. And that's enough to carry everything we need and a whole lot more rubbish. We have all sorts that of we, stuff. Uh, that we don't need to carry. And from time to time, the bags get fuller, and then we purge, <laughs> and then they get fuller again. Oh, yeah. My bag's been hurting a bit li- lately. I think I need to readjust the straps. It's got a really good harness system, but I think it's a bit too long at the moment. I need to, to fix it up. And I've definitely been packing it full of stuff. Because we knew we were coming home, we had gifts and souvenirs and all sorts of things, and it was quite a lot overweight. <laughs> yeah, now back in 2009, we were recommending bags around the 45 to 50 litre mark. And uh, then the bag that I was using then, which I still actually use for hiking, it lives in Auckland and I pull it out whenever we go there, was the, the Berghaus Antius. Um, and that was a 45 litre plus a 7 litre expansion. And what I had to do with that was put a an overbag around it that I could padlock shut for mm-hmm. security because it's a hiking bag. It was just all little clips and things, so anyone could open it, anyone could get into it. But now because we're flying with these smaller bags, they're the right size for carry-on, and so we are almost never separated from our bags unless we want to transport wine or something like that. Yep. Then uh, Sometimes our bags we have are to always put it under with us. us as well. But I yeah. think that when you're when you're choosing a bag, it's important to check whether you can padlock it shut, because if you can't, then you're going to have to get an overbag. Uh, so in both of our our bags, the, they have two zips so that they can be padlocked together. So that's quite important. Mm. All right, let's move on to number two. So number two was good shoes. I think this is an essential. I've seen so many travelers walking around in really bad shoes, and I wonder how they can walk around cities. I mean, I have, we both have hiking shoes because we do a lot of hiking, and it means that we can keep walking for hours, and it means we can really enjoy the cities that we're in because that's our preferred style of seeing them. But I tried walking around in just flip-flops the other day, and my feet were sore so quickly. So I, I really saw the benefit of having good shoes. It makes a big difference. Yeah, instead of sneakers, get something with a good sole and uh, get yourself a good insert to mm, put important. into them that gives you the padding and support that you need. And you'll be amazed at how much longer you can walk for without feeling tired or, you know, kind That's of right. grotty. Good socks are also important. Go into a sports store and get some mm. with reinforced soles and heels because, yeah, people have said that your shoes are only as good as your socks. Now, I don't believe that. I think your shoes are pretty important. But just cheap cotton socks aren't going to cut it. Mm. I have a pair of jandals or flip-flops uh, as well. They're the same thing. And um, <laughs> New Zealand language, one <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I carry them almost all the time and they're great they're good for wandering around in a hotel or a hostel if you're unsure about the cleanliness of the floors Mm -hmm. especially in shared bathrooms and they're good for just casual trips out if you're going out for a couple of hours or if you're going down the beach yeah i think a a good pair of hiking shoes some jandals and maybe if you can fit them in a nice pair of shoes for wearing out girls are lucky we can wear ballet flats they're really good a lot of bloggers have been talking about teaks recently, which look like belly flats, but are also quite comfortable to wear and mm. really expensive. So it's worth considering if you have some money to spend, but they, they scrunch up as well. Uh, guys, you have to make the decision of whether to buy shoes that look nice enough to wear out. Well, I suppose you could wear belly flats if you wanted to, but it's not quite the fashion at the moment. <laughs> 
Well, another thing that's gone out of fashion for us in particular is carrying a sleeping bag. Yeah, that's number three on our list. Yeah, when we first left, we both had sleeping bags with us. And um, I don't know what happened to all of them. I don't know if they all made their way home, but we had... They did, and we sold them in the end. Ah, that's right. We had these big, big sleeping bags that were rated down to about negative 20, negative 30. They were really, really good professional sleeping bags and they took up a third of our packs but they were and they were big packs huge and heavy um and then we migrated down to smaller kind of summer sleeping bags good down to about zero or five degrees and you know they were much smaller and much lighter and then we realized that we were hardly ever using them as well yeah we did we did use them occasionally but not very often so now what we have is silk sleeping bag liners and I think that should be on the list of the top things to take with you because it's a, it's been really, really useful for us. If we just need something to, to line a slightly dodgy bed, you know, if you're staying in a hostel and linens are provided but you don't really like the look of them, then that's good. Or if you're staying in a hostel where linens aren't provided and they're going to charge you five or six euros, which happened to us recently, you don't need to have them provided because you've got your own form of linen they'll give you blankets for free but you know the sheets would have to be washed if you used them and it takes up not very much space at all i also use my one as a skirt sometimes because i just sleep in a singlet if i want to go to the toilet in the middle of the night i don't want to have to put on trousers so i just pull out my sleeping bag liner and that's it's like a sarong very nice yeah light and efficient so get one of those and make sure it's the right length for you <laughs> the one that i got is probably about 10 to 15 centimeters too short for what would be exactly right for me mm-hmm. and so i'm constantly having to decide between like exposing my shoulders to a scratchy woolen blanket or having my knees bent all night and you know when you're sleeping you don't make the most rational of choices that's true so make sure it fits i found it also really useful when we're staying somewhere and there aren't enough blankets and i'm cold and this is a really thin item i mean it's silk Mm. and it's thin silk but sometimes that's just just what i need what's the insulation factor isn't it it's that pocket of air close to your body that Mm. really helps it's really saved me a couple of times when we've been in really really cold environments it's made the difference between me sleeping and not sleeping Item four was a rain jacket, and yes, I would still carry a rain jacket with me. I am still looking for the right rain jacket. I have bought so many rain jackets, and they just haven't been working for me. So, I don't know. I, mm. I can't give very good advice on this one. No, and I've had one since 2006. You which got the right one. now I'm about to replace in 2013. <laughs> so, I've had it for an age, and yeah, I mean, it was... I think the RRP on it was 270 pounds when I bought it back then. I think and the RRP was 500 pounds and you got it for about 200. Oh, was it? Yeah, I remember I got it, it really expensive. cheap and it was still very expensive. And now I'm looking at that kind of investment again and going, oh, what am I going to get this time? Yeah. So that brand was a mountain hardware jacket, so a mountaineering jacket. And uh, it was a Xenon, so it had an inner which I'm wearing at the moment, actually, made of synthetics, which is nice and warm. And then the outer layer was a hard shell, which was waterproof and windproof and um, pretty sturdy for hiking. I've scraped along all sorts of things wearing that, and it hasn't ripped or torn. Yeah, so I think rain, rain gear in general is quite important. We also carry an umbrella, which 
One of our travel guides said to us, what, you guys have an umbrella? I wouldn't have thought that of you. But it's, it's quite important. If you're doing a lot of city trips, you don't want to take out your big jacket when you're just walking around, around town, if you have a big jacket. And an umbrella is sometimes exactly what you need. We picked up our most recent one in a market in Albania, which is pretty cool. And uh, depending on your pack, you might want to have a pack cover. But that's, I don't know, I didn't have a pack cover for a very long time and that didn't really matter. Now I have one and I only use it occasionally. Yeah, but when you do use it, it's, it's great. <laughs> great. I think it depends where you're going. If you're mm. going somewhere like Southeast Asia where you get these big storms coming through where everything gets soaking wet within five seconds mm-hmm. and that happens a lot and you're kind of outside a lot waiting for buses or moving from place to place, you're going to get good use to it. But mm-hmm. if you're kind of going door to, like, you know, um, airport transfer to hotel, then you're not going to have any need for it whatsoever. Well, number five was thermal underwear. And I think that this is quite an important item to have in your bag. It depends on where you're traveling, of course. But if you're going to be anywhere where it gets cold, this is a great way to keep warm, especially if you're carrying, if you're traveling with just carry-on bags. Um, and also, layers are the key to warmth. I mean, there's no point having big, big jumpers because they won't keep you as warm as two or three light ones. So uh, at the moment, actually, I'm wearing a merino wool top. Merino wool is one of the best insulating layers. Unfortunately, outside of New Zealand, it can be quite expensive. I just bought a new top for $15 the other day, and that was quite cheap. Very nice. But uh, also, polypropylene keeps you really nice and warm as well. If you don't want to have thermal layers exactly, just take some thin warm tops, maybe leggings if, you're, if, you, if you just want something nice and light. Stockings can also be a good insulating layer. Just make sure you've got layers so that you're not limited to just one layer when you want to be warm. The thing I like about this is that it's light, it packs down small, and it is a kind of, it can be a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. It, it can be the thing that stops you freezing <laughs> yeah. all night. Um, you can use them during the day under jeans if you're expecting the temperature to be 10 degrees and you wake up and it's negative 5. You'll, you'll want something heavier than what you've got if you're out exploring the city all day. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to have to carry extra jumpers, which are really bulky and heavy. So, yeah. oh, good. I, I, no, I, sorry, oh, I, go I, on then. I like merino because I can use it as a top layer as well. It looks nice, you know. So it's, it's not like I'm lugging around thermal underwear in my bag that I only use when it's cold. I use these tops all the time, and uh, then I can lay them up when I need them. I don't have any um, thermal underwear long johns at the moment, but I'm going to get some more soon. The only reason I don't have them is because they kept getting holes in them, and, you know, my sewing attempts weren't that successful. But, yeah, at the moment I have leggings instead of thermal underwear. So number six, a money belt, which uh, we used to use to carry around important data, and we still do. We still have a money belt which has uh, passports and some cash and some other documents in it, but we don't actually use it like a money belt, and we haven't for years. I think I've put it on once or twice in the last year or two, and that's only when I'm feeling really insecure or if I'm going to be sleeping on a bus or something. Then I can have it really close to my skin. Yeah, so... Depending on where you're traveling, it can be good or bad. If you do have a money belt, make sure to keep it hidden all the time. Uh, I think instead just having a document wallet that you can keep in your bag is, is a good option, just to keep your documents safe and protected. So instead of a money belt, number six for us would be plastic bags. Plastic bags are so useful. 
quite apart from having to put all your liquids in as you go through airport security, uh, they're great for just storing things. You could put your important documents in one and wrap it up. We mm. find hundreds of uses for plastic bags. They make a cheap compression sack as That's well. True. Instead of paying ten to forty dollars for a you know bit of material with a drawstring in an outdoors store, a large Ziploc plastic bag will help you to compress your stuff and keep it reasonably waterproof as well. Mm-hmm. So, for the fifty cents for that versus the the five to forty dollars for one in an outdoors store, yeah. there's a big saving there. I also put my jandals and my ballet flats in, in just supermarket plastic bags. And I've actually got them from Spain at the moment, one's from Spar and one's from, I think it's the Galician Library. I don't know, but every time I look at them, it's kind of like, oh, a nice memory. The reason I do that is to keep them, well, to keep any dirt from getting on the rest of my clothes. And also it means that my shoes will slide in the front of my bag a lot more easily than if they were not in a bag because the rubber would kind of stick on the other things. So yeah, lots of uses. Number seven is a camera. We're still carrying a camera? Yeah, oh, yes, of course yes, we are. we are. So, yes, number seven is definitely still a camera. You know why to use a camera. <laughs> Go on, tell people. No. <laughs> <laughs> why are we even talking about this? But I guess the question now is would you take a camera if you had a really good smartphone? And I think that's the question mm. that's becoming more valid like do you need a standalone camera i mean okay if you're a photography nut of course you're going to have that and lenses and all sorts of other stuff but if you're just wanting to take snapshots and memory kind of photos do you really need a camera as well as a good phone yeah i think that the phone is more important now um, when we first published this article people were commenting and one of the comments someone made was that they always had a torch And I think that's great. We always had a torch too. Now we no longer have a torch because our iPhones have really excellent torches that we use all the time. Notably that time when we were in Albania in that small town, what was it called? And we got a bit lost (laughs) trying to find our way down the hill and, you know, the the torches were a lifesaver. Nori and Anne said to us the other day, do you guys have a a torch beside your bed in case of an earthquake? We're both like, yeah, we both do. And they said, what? (laughs) Because our torches, our our phones, now with the new operating system, it's great. It's really easy to access as well. So I'd say a smartphone is more important than a camera. Mm. But, you know, you need to make that decision for yourself. Absolutely. Well, staying with technology, number eight was a travel adapter. And by that, I meant uh, an adapter that allows you to plug in your device to other types of wall socket because every region around the world has a different shaped wall socket for electronics. Yeah, and we have one that uh, allows any kind of plug to go in and you can plug into any kind of wall, which we've had since we first started traveling and we still have it. We bought another one along the way. I think we broke one. We had a green one at one point. Yeah, we've used the same brand and, and gone through, well, the same model, rather, with different brands. They seem yeah. to be the same thing, sold under 20 different names. Um, but if you're looking for it on Amazon, the one we use, you can find by looking for um, Swiss Travel Adapter. Yeah. And it's pretty big. It's like the size of a adolescent's fist i'm trying to think <laughs> it's bigger than a baby's fist it's, it's maybe like a nine to 13 year old's fist he's clenching inside. his fist and looking at it it's I quite am. funny i wish you were here um, <laughs> um or maybe about the size of that candle holder over there but anyway maybe it's like half the size of a can of coke okay 
Good. Something like that. So it's quite bulky anyway mm-hmm. for an adapter, but it does mean that you can buy things in Europe, have things from your home, pick up something in Britain, and they're all going to fit into this adapter and all going to uh, be able to be plugged into almost anything. Yeah, we never really think about the plugs of the place we're going to these days because the items that we have all have different plugs. Quite a lot of them are European at the moment, but we also have some New Zealand ones and some British ones. Yeah, and try and avoid the British ones. Oh, it's, it's so, so heavy. <laughs> but uh, it was really exciting when we got back to New Zealand and we realised that we could plug our uh, USB adapter straight into the wall because it was a New Zealand one. Yeah. Like, Whoa! <laughs> and a couple of months before that, we were so excited when we got a European to USB wall adapter. It was like, yeah. yay, we can plug straight in. But now that's quite useless. So, you know, <laughs> you win some, you lose some. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, we better move on. Number nine was a padlock. Still oh, yes on the padlock? Definitely, without a doubt. I always lock my bag. My bag uh, has a really interesting opening. It kind of flaps over and has a big uh, kind of three corners of a square-shaped zip. And uh, the two zips lock together. And whenever I go to sleep or whenever I leave my bag, even if I'm staying with people I know, I always lock my bag. And that's because... I don't know, I'm quite suspicious. <laughs> also because it's got my things Just in it. Just a little bit OCD. Thanks, Greg. Just a little. But I think it's it's good to be careful and good to be cautious. And even if you're staying in a hotel, you know, if there's no wall safe, then just locking your bag is a really good deterrent against theft. Yeah, if you're staying at a hostel, they'll quite often have lockers. And many, many, many times we've seen lockers available, but you have to buy a padlock for or 10 bucks one, or yeah. hire one for 5 bucks a day or something like that. So having your own padlock, even if you don't use it to shut your bag like Linda does, um, it'll just save you on that investment. Yep. And Do if you're be checking sure in your bag, if you're checking in your bag on a plane, then you'll really want to lock your bag as well. And do be sure if you are flying with it to get one of the TSA-approved ones uh, if you're going through American airspace. They've got, there's a couple of different symbols, but a mm-hmm. uh, person in the store will be able to point you right. Make sure you get a, um, a number lock one, not one with a key. Because, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've had those, we've lost the keys, and it's really annoying. But also they're easier to get into. Mm. Yeah. Okay, into the final five, earplugs. I think those are still an essential. What do you think? Yeah, I never use them because I sleep so soundly. Um, I more, I'm more likely to have uh, my iPod headphones plugged in and be listening to a podcast or an audiobook or sometimes some music. Um, and so I'll go to sleep listening to that rather than having earplugs in. And once I've fallen asleep, it's mm. quite hard to get me to wake up. I don't use mine all that often, but when I do, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I have a little kind of, I call it my bus kit, but it's more of a sleeping kit. It has a, an air pillow and an eye mask. The eye mask has come in really handy recently. When we're traveling through the Balkans, I think of the 14 or 15 places we stayed, only one had curtains that would actually block out the light. So, I mean, some of these curtains were just really light. Some didn't have curtains. And there was almost always a street light right outside our room. So having the eye mask was really great. Mm, indeed. Um, a travel towel is number 11, yeah. and by that I mean one of these small, ultralight, fast-drying fabric towels. Now, this is another thing that you won't use all the time, but when you do need to use it, it's really great to have. It doesn't take up much space, and uh, it's, it's really useful. We usually stay in hotels or hostels or with people who provide towels for us, 
but sometimes that's just not possible or the hotel or hostel is charging a surcharge of lots of money. In that case, you have your towel, you use it, and it dries quickly. Uh, I definitely wouldn't recommend taking a traditional big beach towel with you because it takes up so much space. Mm. The other thing we sometimes... But then some people swear by it because they use it as a blanket and as, or as a pillow mm. or as a... They use it as kind of a multi-purpose thing. But for yeah. me, it's quite a lot of weight and quite a lot of space. You can get those... Um, travel towels that are really big so it's made of the same fabric as ours but but large and that would be quite a good choice because it would still dry quite mm. quickly then you could use it as a light blanket or as a as a wrong yeah a note on having uh wet towels or wet clothes with you when you're going from place to place if you can get away with it um tie it to the outside of your bag rather than put it inside your bag and that way it's going to it may be dry um, or maybe at least not stink out your bag and make everything yeah. scungy and damp. Although on that note, make sure that you check that you still have it when you leave the vehicle that you're on because we <laughs> have lost a towel that way on the Eurostar. Bye, so. <laughs> sweet towel. <laughs> so number 12 was also uh, kind of a laundry item. It was a travel clothesline. Now we saw by this by the, for the first few ye- years of our travel and yeah, now, we used it all the time. We really use it. It's like two strips of elastic that wrapped around each other, and you, you stretch it out. You could do it in the bathroom or outside, and you kind of uh, put the clothes fabric in between the two strands of elastic. Now, when ours died, we threw it away, and we haven't missed it, P- possibly because we're now couch surfing more, and so people don't usually mind if we, we do a load of laundry and we can use their clothesline to hang things out. But, yeah, uh, I think that's been the big difference yeah. is that now we're more likely to, yeah, kind of have a week's worth of clothes to wear and do a load of laundry either with couch surfers or in a hostel once a week. And I think that laundries in hostels have become more ubiquitous than mm-hmm. when we were traveling uh, back then. Yeah. And if we're not doing a full load, then we'll just do a pair of undies and a pair of socks and you know, you don't need a clothesline to hang those up. You can usually find somewhere to, to leave them. Yeah, but instead of that, we're now always carrying and always using our little kind of kitchenware set, aren't we? Yeah, I, we've had this with us since we first started traveling. We have an Oracaso cup, plate, and bowl set. I'd like to get a new one because it's been like eight or nine years. <laughs> and it's looking it's still going strong, though. It's great. I mean, it's really great. But, uh, yeah, I think kitchenware is really good because if you have a cup, it's just so useful to be able to, to share in a bottle of wine or, you know, cook up a quick meal. When we were um, staying in guest houses in Austria recently, we didn't want to go out for dinner every night. So I learned a few recipes for salads that I could whip up in the guest house. And, uh, yeah, having those, those plates and bowls made it possible. Mm, and combine that with a, a spork each, yeah. and you've got a, a spoony, forky, really bad knife. <laughs> and uh, what we, we do is, uh, yeah, what we do is try and find a knife at a $2 shop or something like that. Um, I mean, it goes blunt pretty quickly, but you normally normally have a flight in kind of two to five months' time, so it only has to last that long. We had a green knife at that point. We left it with our friends in Prague, and I got a message from him the other day saying that it didn't like him cutting him. (laughs) (laughs) It's obviously still sharp enough for something. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. It was a really good knife. We used to have a great uh, Victorinox pocket knife called the Picnicker, and what was good about it was that it had quite a long blade, longer than the standard pocket knife, and that would, um, would stay open like it was 
Yeah, design. it had a safety lock on it. had a safety it. lock, and you had to pull down a little latch to, to close it. So if you're not traveling just carry-on size like we are, I'd highly recommend that particular knife uh, because it's good for cutting, peeling fruit. It's got all sorts of extra bits and pieces. I don't think it has scissors, which is good. Scissors aren't worth having. <laughs> you should have scissors, but they should be separate from your pocket knife. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really good option. Obviously, if you're traveling carry-on size, that isn't something that you can do. Well, talking about things that are difficult to take on planes, number 13 was and still is a good personalized first aid kit. Now, I think of all these items, this is one of the most essential. A lot of people don't think about it, but it's another thing that when you need it, you really need it, and you should keep it up to date. In fact, we should probably... <clears throat> we, we went through, just before we left Berlin, and threw away a whole lot of out-of-date medicines and things like that, and replaced uh, painkillers, anti-diarrhea tablets, the opposite of anti-diarrhea tablets. <laughs> um, and those are kind of the, the three main sets of pills we carry. Um, we also have some anti-inflammatory, kind of hay fevery kind mm-hmm. of tablets, um, a little bit of antiseptic gel, and a selection of bandages and plasters. Um, We've got rid of a lot of the the stuff that we used to have in there because of liquid restrictions um, and because of sharps restrictions. Mm. We still Um, have needles, though. Needles and thread, just in case. We also have uh, some strong, like, duct tape, and that's for binding up bad wounds, but it's also really useful if we need to wrap a present, for example. So, you know... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it goes around. Of and we tried we to want... bind up someone's shoe with it once. Remember when we were on the it worked quite Diego? well. It worked really well, but then about 10 kilometers further on, we saw the bandaged shoes beside <laughs> a pillar. <laughs> yeah. Um, a note on medications. Always have a receipt for medications that you have, if like possible. Um, well, if you have prescription medicine, make sure you have that. Um, and don't unpackage medications into unmarked bags. It saves it's on... It's okay if they're blister packs. saves on weight. Yeah, we're taking something out and keeping in the blister packs fine. Yeah. But popping them all into a little Ziploc bag will not make you friends with yeah. any of the customs agencies what, that what you go through. What we usually do is we buy uh, packets of blister packs and we take them out of the boxes and we put them into little plastic bags. So we have one little plastic bag of painkillers. So we've got ibuprofen and... Uh, paracetamol in there and maybe one or two other types depending on what we've picked up along the way my dentist gave me a really strong one for some reason haven't needed to use it uh, and then in the other bag we have all of the other medications so that's the hay fever and the uh, loperamide for diarrhea and yeah we don't really have that much else because we haven't needed it mm. but anyway it's important to have a personalized first aid kit that covers the basics just in case you can't get them uh, number 14 was a journal like a bit of tree that you carried around to write in. Now, I, you say that, but I can't help noticing that you've currently got a journal that you picked up at, uh, was it at TVX recently? Mm. And uh, you've tried to keep a journal many times and you've failed every time. So I think we put this on the list because you dreamed that it was That's a aspirational. <laughs> <laughs> I've had journals in the past. Both times we walked the Camino de Santiago, I kept a very, very small journal, like a a 3B1 notebook kind of size, and that was really great, but it was for a time it was all I could do. So I think we've got to take that off the list. The journal, no. Instead, I think, just to keep yourself entertained, a book or a Kindle. A Kindle, oh my goodness, Kindle has changed my life. 
How many how many books did I have in my bag that time when you emptied them I, out? It was more than fifteen. It gets bigger every time you tell the story. No, it was including <laughs> including, including all notebooks. little notebooks mm. and things. It was oh, it's painful. Yeah. So uh, number fifteen was a pack of cards. Now we still carry a pack of cards, and we believe in them because they're a really good way to get people uh, involved together to to join a group together in a hostel. Uh, we had Monopoly Deal for a while, and that was really fun, but. I don't know, I don't think it's an essential item. I think a really essential item would be a laptop or a tablet. And most travellers these days are carrying something like that, either a smartphone or a laptop or a tablet, for entertainment, also for journaling. So these last two, instead of a journal and a pack of cards, have a book or a Kindle and a laptop or a tablet. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's something to be said for trips where you eschew all technology and you go offline and you don't care about what's happening on the outside Mm -hmm. world and you just go and do your thing there's times for trips like that and i think you should make space for them but for everyday trips or if you are doing long-term travel it's much more convenient to to have that kind of stuff with you Mm. yeah and if you do want to journal you can have a blog it's kind of like journaling, or you can just keep a journal on your on your computer, on your smartphone as you mm. as you go. So there's lots of different ways of doing it. I think if you want to keep a journal, it's a personal thing, but it's not really an essential. So uh, last time when we published this article about uh, the essential items that we thought you might need, we got a lot of comments about it. So uh, some of the things that people said that they thought were essential items were a, uh, a black marker pen. And I think that's quite important, like a Sharpie. We have one of mm. those. Uh, duct tape. Yeah, we talked about duct tape in the first aid kit. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Warwick was the one who said the black market pen. Actually, he said a black market pen, black market pen, which intrigued us. But I think he meant <laughs> a black market pen. And uh, he also said a compass. And with smartphones these days, they almost all have compasses. So that's, that's good. Yeah, the thing about if, – if you're doing, like, backcountry hiking, you do not want to rely on anything electronic to be your navigational guide. That's so true. you still want a compass. But if you're using it to pop out of a – you know, you know you have to come out of the subway and then go west. Mm-hmm. Well, your phone is going to be great for figuring that out for you. Yeah, and Sherry Ott was the one who said that a flashlight was really important. As I said earlier, I think that uh, smartphones have covered that. Um Someone else said something against traveller's diarrhoea. Yeah, <laughs> that's yep. in the first aid kit as well. So, uh, yeah. Yep. Oh, someone else said uh, a Leatherman, Leatherman tool. Mm. So that's a similar idea to a to a, a pocket knife. Yeah, once again, if you're not flying, it's all good. I liked how someone asked if we carried any money with us. And <laughs> yes, I, I would say that's essential, but maybe not something that needed to be uh, spelled out on the list. And Michael Brown mentioned plastic plastic bags and also pegs. We carried pegs with us for a while, but we didn't really have that much use for them. They were useful for attaching our towel to the outside of our bag, for example. But, uh, yeah, we had one peg. I think you've still got it, this one peg in your bag somewhere. Yeah, I do carry a peg with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I use it from time to time for just random connections that need to be made. Mm-hmm. And it's really quite useful. It's strange how often I use it. Yeah. And uh, Besson Villas mentioned a fixed blade knife whenever he's travelling through Southeast Asia, which yeah we also carry when we when we aren't going on a plane. 
And we've been talking about this for quite some time, so we'd better let you go. Our Indie Travel Podcast tip of the week this week is about avoiding jet lag, because boy, did we get nailed over the last few weeks. It's the first time I think we've ever been affected so badly, so we asked if anyone had any tips about how they deal with it, and we got some responses. Yeah, a lot of the responses were things that are kind of common advice floating around. Um, Stay hydrated, try and adapt yourself to your new sleep cycle before you go. Um, But one of the ones that I hadn't seen before was from Rencina from, um, I think, Travel Wilderness Agencies Australia, something like that. She had a herbal uh, remedy that she buys, like a commercially made one, um, that I'm just going to look up now while Linda talks about some of the other stuff. <laughs> Rescue Remedy, it's called. I've heard of that. Yeah? I've never seen it before. Yeah, my mum used to swear by it. Yeah. But I didn't really think I needed to be rescued. But now I understand that I really did. <laughs> Smooth. Maybe we'll have to look that up for our next set of long flights. Yeah, might be a good idea. Well, well thanks, Rencina, for sending that one in. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.